0: Welcome to the Rainbow Room. Our podcast about writing, representation, and gay stuff. This is Red, White, and Royal Blue Part 2. Check out the previous episode for Part 1. At this point, we read Red, White, and Royal Blue. Alex Claremont-Diaz, son of US President Ellen, encounters his rival Henry, the Prince of Wales, at a royal wedding and drunkenly pushes him into the expensive wedding cake. For political damage control, they must pretend to be friends for some PR shoots, after which they start a banter-filled text exchange. This develops into more when Alex calls Henry to vent after witnessing his divorced parents fight. Henry surprises Alex by kissing him at a party, leading Alex to realize he's bisexual and very into Henry. He slowly comes out to his older sister June, his bisexual friend Nora, his mom, after being caught by her campaign manager Zara, and Luna, an openly gay senator. Alex and Henry continue a secret relationship, which Henry almost backs out of for fear of the political consequences, prompting Alex to confess he loves him and convincing Henry the risks are worth it. In the middle of the night, someone leaks photos of the boys kissing and their romantic email exchanges, prompting the queen to put Henry on communication lockdown. Before daybreak, Alex flies to England, and him, Henry, and Henry's mom make a crucial attempt to convince the queen to finally let the two of them openly tell the world their truth. We're back! (laughs) Oh my, okay. (laughs) so even just reading the cliff notes i was tearing up (laughs) first thing i need to say i cannot pick up this book without crying once it got past like a certain chapter every time i picked up the book i cried (laughs) like literally every time yeah it's wild i think i love this book
1: i do i i I do too i think something i love about romance is that there's an earnestness in it you know like the sweetness to it that you won't find in literary fiction you know like all those books that win the the prizes and all that stuff like you're not allowed to be earnest you're not allowed to you know sort of show these characters in love or whatever it always has to be kind of sad and depressing and with romance you can there is you know a depth of emotion but you also get like just the sweetness that we all kind of want to you know that's a part of human life
0: yeah this book really i think indulges in the sweetness it indulges in these happy moments there's like I feel like a good chunk of the book that is. Uh, so this is my cr- one critique of the book. I, I feel like it moves a little slow. Uh, maybe in like the second third of the book, it starts to move kind of slow. But that could almost be seen as a strength because that's because it's really just taking time to be indulgent in these moments of happiness and sweetness and like let you see what a life could be like with a happy relationship. Like it's nice.
1: Yeah, let's. Uh, it's like we need fiction for that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: imagine if
1: (laughs) imagine if you met someone who is very kind and rich
2: (laughs) (laughs) going off of what everyone said about how this book while there's like sad gay moments it's not like a gay trauma book where we torture gay people within the story (laughs) like it's just generally generally our gay characters in this book are like happy and healthy Which is good.
0: So going back to how this book came out, right? She they wrote it with a thought that uh, Hillary was going to win the election, and then she didn't win the election, but she still wanted to work on write this book. And so in her acknowledgments, she says that it went from something that was supposed to be a parallel universe to our real world to something that ended up having to actually be more of like a a kind of more hopeful what could have been, what could be. And I really feel like that's almost an allegory to the entire book and gay romance in general. Whether they meant it that way or not, that ends up being how it kind of feels. The whole book kind of has this, it's still very similar to our real world, which is messed up and has problems. But it's written with so much hope and kind of the thought of don't give up, even though this world is so messy, we can still make it great. In fact, look how great it could be. And it almost feels like this book is a vision, a vision that we can work towards as gay people in gay relationships and also in our political climate. And I I really like seeing the book in that sort of dreamlike, like, objective let's accomplish this goal lens
1: yeah i thought of like you know that heidi montag gif, i'm gonna give the gays everything they want (laughs) it's just yeah like that's you know with romance like the wish fulfillment and just like uh but i also I, i do appreciate too that the book didn't it wasn't a world devoid of homophobia because um, yeah. some, some queer authors, when they're doing romance, when they're doing something a little fluffier, that's supposed to be light and comedic, they will make an artistic choice to remove homophobia from the story because they just want to focus on, you know, the cute aspects of it, which is a perfectly valid choice. Um, I don't do that in my writing at all because I'm like <laughs> dealing with so much, you know, residual trauma. But um, it's <laughs> like there, I like that there's at least a, an interaction with homophobia in, in the way that queer relationships are, are seen by the general public.
0: Definitely. I sometimes will watch happy gay stories and I actually come away feeling almost more upset because it sounds like someone it doesn't understand the problem fully and they're like oh look you could just have a happy gay relationship and it's like you don't understand all the parts of this and it didn't feel like this book was sugarcoating that. It didn't feel like this book was um, it felt like it really came from a place of understanding what the situation can be like and I really liked that.
2: I enjoy there are
0: times where like you read a
2: story and they showcase a lot of homophobia and sometimes it feels as though they're making it about the homophobia and it becomes like it seems like this is all encompassing that all we're trying to say is that like homophobia still exists and I find that hard mm. to read sometimes but I really appreciate when like not saying that I want a homophobia in small doses but like when you can tell you can showcase homophobia and make it so much more about that <laughs> just because we've read so many different takes on like homophobia like in media it's like we've seen this before we've seen this before mm-hmm. just when an author when an author can like find a way to still showcase it in like a way that doesn't detract from the plot I enjoy that a lot I think That's the point I'm trying
0: to say. nice so uh, you mentioned that you've met Casey McQuiston and And have a social media relationship with them. What... Is your understanding of their relationship to the gay community, the gay male community specifically? Because it does really feel like this book is written from a pretty informed point of view. Uh,
1: Casey question is—I'm uh, pretty sure—at least maybe when the book came out, identified as bisexual. Um, they are non-binary, and um, I would—I would assume pretty—you know—because they are queer, involved with the queer community. Because you know there are queer people who are not involved with the queer community, which is really oh
0: yeah, totally yeah.
1: Um, but yeah. I, And I think you can sort of see that in in the cast of characters, right? Because it's not just... Alex, who's queer. It's not just Henry. It's also Nora and,
0: uh, and Pez. Well, actually, okay. Pez is like weirdly queer coded, but they don't actually mention if he's bi. Yeah, no,
1: Pez like is just, yeah, no. Well, and I guess June kind of is too. Um, I don't know. It's all interesting, but like, no, you, you get that sense that like, you know, you have these people from different backgrounds and identities and, and, uh, they all make this weird little cast of people who are interesting to watch, interact with each other.
0: On a note, I'm just curious, could I ask you a personal question of how um, engaged are you with the queer community?
1: Oh, I hate gays. <laughs> <laughs> um... You know what? It was also, so very involved. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Like my high school friends are mostly straight, and then my college friends, like most of us, were straight. And as time moves on, it gets queer and queer. Like a new person will come out like every year. It's like they're like, actually, so this stuff I was thinking about. um Actually, like I feel this way, like that sort of thing, uh, love that will happen, and uh, and that's that's something I, I I love about this book is that Alex is twenty one, uh, which isn't that late. There you know plenty of people who came out later who didn't realize their sexuality until later. But I was I was twenty two the first time I sort of was like okay, I came out to myself. I Whoa. know who I am, that sort of thing. And Alex is twenty one, and it's like you know it's it's nice to see him discover himself. That you know again, it's not that late. But, you know, you hear about kids who are in middle school or high school come out and, and know that about themselves. So I appreciated that.
0: Yeah. When we were reading the Cliff Notes, it talked about how... Alex suddenly discovered he was bi and and you said relatable, Uh, which was interesting for me because it's so Alex's journey in the story is so different from my experience because I basically as soon as like puberty hit, I realized, oh, I'm very attracted to men. And I was hoping that I was bi and that I would like just be able to pass as straight my entire life. Uh, That was not the case. (laughs) So it's like astounding to me when I hear of people who like don't even realize it like they didn't they didn't have an idea until something clicked until much later in life because I've heard of people like realizing it like very late in life maybe even after they've been married so so it's actually good to have you corroborate that story though that that felt that felt authentic kind of his process of discovering his sexuality.
1: Yeah it's always really interesting to me when gay dudes will be like I hope that I was bi or I came out as bi first because my experience with it. I I like girls from the time I was five. Um, I think when puberty hit, that's when in addition to crushing a girl's my age, I started thinking about fully grown men, but like mm-hmm. again, like I kind of like pushed it down and like just kind of tried to ignore it. And I was like, "Oh, I think it's just weird hormones or something like that." But for my entire life until I came out to myself at you know twenty-one, twenty-two, I sort of vacillated between thinking I'm straight, I'm gay, I'm straight, I'm gay. Like I kept <laughs> doing that because you know you're presented with two options: are you gay or are you straight? Oh, and man. on one hand, I'm like, "Well, I like girls, I'm straight," and I was like, "Oh, well, you know, Chris Evans." in fantastic four like why am i staring at him so hard i'm like okay i think i'm i think i'm gay but i can't be gay so then i'm gonna go like be straight and it's fine because i like girl and like i just didn't know basically that bisexuality existed um and i just never got that representation that that would help me figure that out
0: wow yeah and hopefully books like this And the one that you're writing can help people who are in your situation maybe figure that out more quickly and in a more pleasant way. Eric, are there any other overall thoughts you wanted to mention about the book?
2: I want to, I, I, and maybe Aaron, you don't, you, I don't know if you can answer this at all, but I want to know Casey, Casey's relationship to Austin, and sort of why they chose Austin, and had they ever been to Austin and stuff. Um, cause I yeah. have like small details that I would read where I'd be like, it, it would just be like, it was instances of like, Oh, I feel like that was, it was interesting to read these details about Austin because there are sometimes they weren't the most accurate, but like, it's not like it detracted away from the story at all.
0: One cool thing to mention is that all three of us have experience with Austin now, I lived in Austin for 11 years. That's where Eric and I met in college. And then Aaron, you just moved there. What? Um,
1: I, I keep saying six months, but I think it's more than that now. I moved here mid August.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah.
1: yeah. What, what brought you there? I got a job teaching else? at UT actually. What? what? Wait, yeah, that's, that's amazing. Yeah. I, I teach creative writing at UT. Yeah.
2: Are you serious? Are you telling me I did the creative writing program at UT and I could have had the opportunity to be taught by you and I don't have that opportunity?
1: <laughs> you, I'm, I'm so sorry. You're a, a tiny bit older than my current students. Like the, the, my creative writing classes were my favorite in college, so to teach them is is uh, is, is a nice way to sort of see how passionate these kids are. But yeah, yeah, that's that's why I moved to Austin. I haven't been here that long, but I did visit once before in like 2017 and, and loved it.
0: As someone who has lived in Austin for so long, it was really cool to see details about Austin dropped into the book in the way that people will do that with like really big cities like New York City and LA and it's almost like they just mentioned these streets and you're expected to know them and it felt really cool to see that done for Austin because I was like oh this is ever- I've been on Lavaca you know that was that was really cool and to have you know they mentioned Zilker Park and I just felt very it made me felt feel like I was from a famous city which Honestly, Austin is growing so much and so many people are moving there that like that's not really off the mark anymore. That is kind of the treatment it's starting to get to deserve, which is but it's still really cool to see it in a book and be like, oh, I, I know that.
1: Yeah, the first time I read the book, I think I had only been to Austin at one time to visit and then rereading it this year now that I live here. I caught so many more, you know, locations and stuff and I'm trying to visualize it. And I'm like, oh, you know, I was just there last week. Like that was, that was interesting.
0: Yeah. I, so I'm not Latino at all, but I already feel like, oh my God, you're reading this book. I'm like, this book was written for me, like a gay man who mm-hmm. lived in Austin. I relate to this so much. So having that additional layer must be even cooler because you all both have that plus being Latino, which is awesome. Um I would love to get to play a part in turning this into a movie. (laughs) This book is so, like, it has so much potential for being a great movie. It's written with these really flashy moments. And we can start going through some of the memorable moments here. When they, like, wrestle and fall into the cake. It's like, oh, this was written for a screen. This is amazing. Like, what a great flashy moment. And you can see it.
1: Yeah. They're actually. um, I think Amazon is producing the adaptation. What? Yeah.
0: Okay. Someone get me on the phone with Amazon.
1: <laughs> Are you wanting to act
0: in it, Andrew? I. I well, I wanted to write it and direct it and star in it, but I'd settle for a part. <laughs> Would you can, you? can
1: you do a British accent?
0: <laughs> oh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna play Henry. No, I can't. <laughs> I mean, I would, I would, I would go to coaching school if that's what it took to get to play Henry. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then, uh, and then one of y'all can play Alex.
1: <laughs> I think it's funny. Uh, you know, I do feel represented by Alex because he's uh, Mexican and bisexual, but also just on a character level, like he's messy and he's ambitious. And I just, I don't know, I just appreciated that that so much that he just he's sort of like okay I'm gonna be in Congress by 30 I'm gonna like you know my thing was like publish a book by 30 and he's just like he's he's he doesn't really know how to communicate love in certain ways and so he he, it's a lot of anger but not a real anger it's, he's kind of like I just hate like that kind of whole thing from Tumblr in like 2016 the, or 2014 uh, where it's just like oh, I just want to punch your stupid face but you're in love <laughs> with someone like that that's kind of like Alex's energy and that's that's been me my entire life so to so just, yeah, like have a messy bisexual character. It's just perfect.
0: Yeah, their relationship is very like bromance, which is really funny because it's a romance, but they treat it like it feels like you're watching straight guys interact some way in a flirty way. I don't know. I like that. I wouldn't mind that for my relationship setup.
1: <laughs> just play beer pong with your bro and then afterwards, <laughs> afterwards you get to kiss. <laughs> That's a dream. I do Loser like being beer pong. The other. <laughs> I'm actually trash
2: at beer pong, but okay. The, if we were to ever have a a segment where it was like straightest thing you did, mine would always be randomly good at beer pong. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah, I'm
0: pretty good. <laughs> I'll say it. <laughs> I love that one thing about Alex. That this is also a critique I have for the book because it's we see it all the time uh, in queer media. Alex is so exhaustingly perfect. There's literally a paragraph I should have highlighted it where they're like <laughs> uh yeah in high school I was the prom king and scored the top score on the SAT and was really popular it's like he had no flaws in high school he was just a perfect character yeah. and it's it's like all for, for me I'm like it's already <coughs> such a struggle finding love in the gay world and i'm not that perfect. <laughs> so if this guy who was like wasn't he also like the quarterback? It was like you you're just the perfect match and you're having trouble like Come on. I feel like this I'm uh, this is me also
2: remembering our looking episode, Andrew, where Eric brought up a point about like gay people wanting to be perfect. And I'm like, I want a bisexual or a gay character who is lazy. I want someone who is (laughs) lazy and is bad at everything. And that's when I will finally feel be seen by someone. (laughs) so until then i uh there until then i will be waiting
1: (laughs) that's like that's actually a a really that's prevalent in romance books uh to a sort of an annoying degree even in almost especially in straight romance books as well uh but it's usually the the love interest what i've seen recently that really annoys me is they'll have the love interest be this really muscular man and you know it's because like you know like muscles are sexy like um, mm-hmm. but the way they try to like make that not just their preference for like muscular men is they'll say he doesn't care about how he looks he's muscular because and then they'll usually say like because he likes to work out because he's a personal trainer or because <laughs> he's so anxious and, and like the workout will like relieve his anxiety and it just really annoys me because i'm like just say you like are really attracted to this muscular guy like don't create a character who's like just so happens to be muscular because of like something else I'm like it's just so yeah in terms of being like annoyingly perfect like that that is something I think in romance books you kind of have to turn your brain off a little bit
0: (laughs) yeah I was like I was like you don't have to do all that like give him one thing but he
2: doesn't have to be the quarterback I feel like this kind of bridges into my one this is kind of a segue into my point that I have about this book where I feel like there's so many fun aspects of the book where like you like they talk about like the white house trio and like when they bring henry into the picture and sort of all of them start going out and like just having a really lovely time i feel like i haven't read this book since 2019 but what i remember so vividly is that like they were like going out like all the time drinking so much alcohol eating like pizza tacos donuts all the time and then like it would always be like the next day like, Alex would, like, wake up and Henry has just come back from, like, a five-mile run at, like, 6 a.m. And oh I'm like, wasn't well, he just blackout, like, three hours ago? <laughs> <laughs> so in regards to, like, being annoyingly perfect, there are times where I'm like, Henry's too perfect to where I'm like, you care about your physical physique to where it doesn't feel realistic.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I guess this is just another overall big note that, as I said, I cried a lot while reading this. But the interesting thing was... it. It wasn't always happy tears. Sometimes it felt like I was crying because I felt rueful. It made me upset that I didn't have this kind of love. And, you know, this is something they're finding at a young age of 23, 21. And I'm, I just turned 30 and I haven't had this yet. And it was almost resentful. I, it was like resentful tears of like, they have this life that I never had. And I can still have it and I still want it. And I think that's what I need to look at it like, you know, like it's a story of hope for the future but it was really i feel like i did a lot of inner examination just like reading about this couple where things are going so well and there's just how oh, it would be so nice to have this i
2: feel like andrew to go off your point about like reading the story and uh wanting it that's kind of how i this is how i generally feel like all growing up when i was like in high school and i was reading like queer ya books about these like um like boys in high school who like had these things like the first my first touch of gay media uh Aaron, let me know if you've read this mine was um openly straight by bill comicsberg
1: i have read it yeah
2: that's like my very first one i ever read and i read that like in high school and so this whole time all throughout high school after having read that i was like ah, i need like my like best male friend who I have this like sexual attention relationship with and it's like it's just like I read these queer YIs of like these young high school characters having these like relationships and I'm like there are teens who are living this experience and then there's such a disparity between like people who have lived this experience and like a large amount of people who never got that who like maybe swearing off queer YIs solely because they were never able to have that it's an interesting thing to sort of ponder yeah I
1: feel like that's a choice with like any media is like do you want something that is purely like relatable and realistic to your life or do Mm. you want the the wish fulfillment like the thing that probably isn't possible in real life like i mean who knows if there's a gay prince in the world currently um it's like but then in his book it's like there is one and you get to be like private flights and you know dates in a castle and i think he plays guitar at one point and i'm just you know it's like it's all like the fan i love the fantasy aspect of it but i i do also feel sometimes even as a writer too it's like what am i going for here am i am i doing the fantasy or am i doing the the realistic am i somewhere in between and how does that make me feel about my own life (laughs) because i'm not dating a prince currently (laughs) yeah you're falling behind There
2: has to be a gay prince. There's too many of them in the world for there not to be one.
0: <laughs> Published by thirty, but I won't be impressed until you're dating a gay prince. <laughs> <laughs> Just some random like m- key moments I wanted to like talk about. Zara, I love Zara as a character. Freaking fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> love them. And I think the first part that kind of made me cry was when Alex calls Henry and without, like, he hasn't been vulnerable with Henry yet. The relationship has been purely like, oh, we kind of don't like each other and we banter. And then um, his divorced parents are in the same room and they're arguing. And it just puts in Alex in such a state of anxiety that without even really rationally thinking, it like takes him being in a state where he's not rationally thinking to have these inhibitions that he's set up for himself to call henry and just start venting and being extremely vulnerable and i'm, I'm tearing it up i'm tearing up talking about it now because it's so it's so beautiful when you see people becoming vulnerable with each other uh, especially when they have those walls up that just really really struck me and it's it's a really beautiful moment in the story
1: you really are tearing up it's adorable <laughs> 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 um yeah no i i what i what i love about that moment and this is just kind of alex's psychology i think but there is such a disconnect between like his conscious mind and his subconscious mind um and that's again like relatable as a bisexual person is like on one hand you know you're queer but on the Mm. other hand you don't and you're full on like living your life as as if you're not for a certain point cognitive dissonance yeah exactly yeah and alex has that so much and like he yeah he must have this like innate sort of primal trust and care for Henry and like that's why it happens when he's not thinking about it right it's like he's just like who can I reach out who makes me feel warm on the inside and then then it just it is him and then he sort of has to catch up later to that feeling but he already knows that.
0: The interesting thing about a gay romance novel especially when you're dealing with people who are closeted is it's almost surprising that we don't have more of them just because it's like it's the perfect recipe for a perfect romance novel because in like I feel like a perfect romance or the romance I. I appreciate so much are when like two characters really want each other and there's something keeping them away and I you know that's what we have with Twilight where they really want each other but he's afraid that he will it's too dangerous for her because he'll bite her right and there's just all these situ- like the best performing romance levels I think follow that formula and so two they have two boundaries right the first one is that Alex has all these walls up that he doesn't realize he likes Henry or doesn't want to like Henry So first, you know, has to get over that, which I feel like is kind of the classic for straight romance novels is like they really want each other, but they're not honest with themselves about it. And they have to like discover that or there's external forces and this book has both because then after they've like, okay, we love each other, then it's this whole thing of like, oh, but we can't be together because we exist in this world where it would be so problematic. And it's like, that's just a perfect recipe. And like you any, any gay relationship where someone's closeted and it's standing between their relationship is just leads to that same path. So it really is feels right for the picking for a romance.
1: I was on a panel one time and we were specifically talking about romance and I think the first question maybe was uh what makes a a great love story? And the first thing I thought of was like obstacles, right? It's like what the what do the main characters, the love interests, what do they overcome to be with each other? So that's just, you know, going back to what you were saying is you know, there's an internal and there's an external, uh, depending on what world uh, the romance is set in. But uh, they can either one of them can keep people apart.
0: <laughs> yeah. The other, speaking of those obstacles and like, getting through that when uh the other part of this book that probably made me cry the most is the first time so basically they're getting closer and henry realizes that he doesn't want it because he thinks it's going to be impossible given the circumstances so he doesn't even want to get close to the idea so he ghosts alex for a long time and alex is pissed so pissed that he just books a flight to henry storms into the building and like get goes to henry and is like hey what the heck is going on and Henry's like why are you here and alex says because i Love you. Uh, I'm tearing up. Now. <laughs> uh, I love. I love like the first when it's done right, the first time that you hear "I love you," and the only other time like hearing that that I feel like has had that effect on me is Glee um, when Kurt says it to Blaine for the first time, and he just says it so casually. He's like, "I love you," and it's just, ugh, I need more of that. <laughs> Uh, I wanted to highlight that special
2: moment for me. Andrew, I feel like we're basically now just being like, so, when did you cry, Andrew? And we're therapizing you, (laughs) in a way. (laughs) Which, I love that we're doing this.
0: Oh, no. I'm have to edit this down to be less about my crying. (laughs) No. I also love seeing the impact luna has on alex i think that's just a really cool relationship to have in here i i love seeing more experienced gay people serve as mentors for like people who are new to it and it's also really cool that that relationship never crosses any moral boundaries you know luna doesn't try to take advantage of alex or anything like that it's just a nice thing to show and showcase any other uh specific points of the book you wanted to bring up so <laughs> you know how why twitter like cancels things all the time mm-hmm.
1: so there was that moment for this book and I don't know if you guys know, but I just want you to have the context. There is a line in here about Israel, and it's just... I think the reason that it felt so out of place, and Casey like responded to the critique, and the line is being taken out of all future editions. Whoa! But it's so it's you know the the, the world of this book is an optimistic view, right? Like it's first female president. Uh, you have these two prominent gay figures who are eventually accepted and, and loved uh, by the public. Um, so it's this this beautiful sort of in a way utopia. Um, and I think the reason like this line about Israel in particular was so out of place was because it's because of that situation, because of, you know, Palestinians being being kicked out of their homes and, and, and you know,
0: subject to violence. Do you know what the line was?
1: It's a really small moment too, but it's, there's a, there's a point where, I don't know where it is, but it's the mother, the president, they're all sort of debriefing and they do one highlight, one low light or whatever, right? Like some point where where something bad happened, something good happened. Uh, and then the mom's low light is that her what is it? Secretary of State or something said something idiotic about Israel. And now I have to call the Tanyu, I think who was the president at the time, and apologize. And so it's just like Casey, when uh, they responded to the critique, was like, I was trying to lampoon like American politics because of you know the, the, the US's relationship with Israel. But it didn't it wasn't set up that way because because, you know, at the end of the book, we're all so happy that Alan wins re-election. Um, and this is like our ideal president. And so mm. for her to sort of side with Israel in that moment, just again, if you're creating a new world where everything is sort of good, like it, it just kind of rings false. Um, so there was that moment on, on Twitter where everyone's like, this is horrible. This is the worst thing ever. Uh, which, I, again, I think it's like insensitive and just completely unnecessary to the book. But that did happen.
0: Yeah. And I I think it's important to mention that like for the context too.
1: I also like, I feel a personal responsibility because the main love interest in my book is Palestinian American. And there's, you know, like there's mention in my book of Palestinian occupation and all that stuff. So it, it feels like every time something Israel related comes up, I'm like, if I don't say anything, then I feel like sort of a hypocrite for like, you know, like, Oh, I can mm. be like a pretty Arab boy in my book, the main, the main love interest, but I can't speak out on important issues that I had to research to write the book. So that's just one thing with this if the like major critiques of it, that would be one of them.
0: Yeah. No, I think and that's really important to note, um, And also I think that's really cool that you are so mindful about treating the subjects of your books as more than just literally literary devices, but things you actually, if you care about it, you want to stay consistently caring about it. That's great.
1: Well, thank you. Because, <laughs> <Like, thank you. laughs> yeah, because, because, you know, books can have such an impact. Red, White and Royal Blue is an incredibly successful book. It reaches so many people. And even if it's just a line, a small quote unquote line like that, it can influence a lot of people or make them think certain things are okay when you know the reality is kind of bad for certain marginalized people.
0: Oh, yeah, I think it's always important to not understate the impact of media or the tone it takes because it's very easy to be like, oh, it's just a book, but it's like, no, those, those stuff have that stuff has ramifications. Someone mentioned something about the coming out and that's another note I had about this book uh, that I that I didn't like. Every It feels like every time Alex comes out to anyone, it goes as poorly as it possibly could go. Or just maybe that's my view of, like, what I would want to hear and what I did hear when I came out. Like, mostly it was just people being like, oh, okay, thank you for telling me. And, like, he came, when he comes out to Nora, who's, like, the first person he comes out to, I think, she's just like, yeah, I knew. And I just feel, I don't know, especially when you're, like, if you're someone who's trying to hide that as a secret, the first thing someone says to be like, oh, I already knew that. It's it's rude. <laughs> yeah. And it does not make I, me feel
2: comforted. I felt particularly seen by that as someone who has had a very feminine voice <laughs> since day one. Uh, but I understand what you mean in terms of it feeling rude. Did, did that happen multiple times in the book? I can't remember. Or was, it, was Nora sort of the only one who was like, I knew that?
0: I think Nora may have been the only one who was like that. June is just like pissed at him for not telling her and mm. like not treating that with the sensitivity. Like there's never like a talk of like, hey, you can tell me if you want to, you know. She's just, like, upset, and then she basically is like, I know you're gay, you know, so there's that moment. His mom is arguably the one that handles it the best, because she handles it really well, but then she does rescind his job, so... There's not really any of those that I feel like go particularly well for him, but he gets through it, which I guess is also nice to see. I think
1: one of the funniest parts of the book is her PowerPoint. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, just, that brings me so much joy. I think I've like reread it. I haven't. I think I've only read the book in its entirety twice, but I do go back and read select parts from it that I really like, and, and the PowerPoint is one of them because I think that's just hilarious.
0: Exploring your sexuality, healthy, but does it have to be with the Prince of England? Yeah. <laughs> yeah that line is so great i think i just said that verbatim yeah
1: no i was, I was so impressed i was like wait did, are you reading that from somewhere did you read he that?
0: just read it, he just read it. <laughs> yeah i did so the i would call the climax of this book is so cinematic and this was a this is a moment where i was like okay yes this needs to be a movie is when they finally confront the queen because they've been outed oh first of all the book picks up speed once their secret is leaked it goes from being this like really slow moving to book to suddenly it's like boom 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 fast pace you can't put it down and it's so exciting and finally it comes to a head when alex and henry have decided we want to be out of the closet but the queen has henry on lockdown communication lockdown so finally they go and they confront the queen and they get henry's mom to finally like snap back to reality and start fighting for herself and fighting for them as well and there's this beautiful moment where basically the queen sees that they do kind of have the upper hand because the mom has some dirt on her that she has to let them make this decision. But she says, but listen, like the country isn't going to like this. You don't know this country as well as I do. There's a lot of people who are homophobic. This isn't going to go well. And then they open the window. Oh God, I'm tearing up again. <laughs> they open the windows of the room and there's just an outpouring of supporters waving rainbow flags, congratulating their relationship and just seeing all that support. One beautiful cinematic climactic movie moment. It feels very much like In Mulan, where like she does the slow turn and sees all the people like praising her. It's such a powerful moment and really also kind of feels like the thesis of this book where it's like, even when you feel like no one in the world is supporting you, there is so much more good in this world than you realize. There is so much more hope and there's so many people who will have your back that you don't even realize. And I love that. And then the mom goes on to win the election, which is also great.
2: And then I have to just make a point out with this one. The reason why I asked the question about Austin earlier and Casey's relation to it is because there's a moment where she describes Alex and Henry as having biked from the Congress Bridge to Terrytown in ten minutes, <laughs> and I was like, that is physically impossible, Queen. <laughs> that's that's just something i remember which it was generally it was like a beautiful moment at the very end where she like on the steps of congress like like on the steps of the capitol building wins and then they like bike through Austin. it was such a lovely moment but i was like girl what's going
1: on (laughs) they're just lance armstrong fast (laughs) i mean i believe with
2: henry by like running five miles a day every single day (laughs) yeah
0: literally washboard ads Mm -hmm. I also do like uh, In that ending scene They borrow the bikes Of Liam and his new boyfriend And it's kind of cool To see a gay couple Have a friendship With another gay couple And there's no sexual tension Or bad blood And it's not this Messy queer stuff That we sometimes have Where it's like Oh they're gonna get together All four of them You know it's like No they're just A very healthy Ex-relationship Which is nice So I think I'm ready To break into final thoughts Unless y'all have anything Else you wanna add
1: I just wanna say I have a friend Who lives in Austin Who's lived in Austin A lot longer than, than I have he said he was re- listening to the audiobook and he had to pull over because he was driving and cry but it's the moment where they see it's like graffiti art or something there's street art and I don't I think it's Henry as Leia as princess Leia oh and, that's so good and Alex as Han solo and so he always says he has to pull he had to pull over that one time and cry because he loves that image so much mm-hmm.
0: yeah it's beautiful because it's such a beautiful illustration of their relationship but also because it was painted by a supporter when they're just coming off of feeling like the whole world was against them, it's just—it's a really nice moment. So we'll let our special guest go first, Aaron. What were your overall closing thoughts about this book? You know what? I think
1: if you go into this book with the right expectations, you get what you want, right? I think it's—it's—it's—it's—it's uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's funny and it's romantic, and you know, it—it it, it did mean a lot to me as as a as a bisexual Mexican guy to just you know read this this fantasy. Book, uh, which isn't fantasy; it's a romance book. Uh, but it's just the <laughs> like high fantasy. Yeah. I, this is never would happen in the real world, Middle Earth. <laughs> I'm like, there's no, there are no dragons, but there is, you know, um, a healthy gay relationship. <laughs> But yeah, no, I think expectations are important, uh, and I, I I do like that it does sort of interact with some realities of our world. I'm a fan. Uh, there are certain things about it that I think warrant critique, but that's always like the case with media. I think uh, we're just always trying to striving to represent people better and to um, create a better world. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's 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 uh, it's one
0: of my favorites. Eric, closing thoughts.
2: I have enjoyed being like the outside of observer of this book because y'all have read it y'all like aaron you're more familiar with it and andrew you just read it and i have an understanding of the book but just to hear everyone sort of talk about like specific moments it like gets me excited for my reread <laughs> and echoing all of aaron's points it's a fun read you'll have a good time and yeah
1: <laughs> that's
0: all i got to say my final thoughts is this book made me feel emotions i didn't know i was capable of feeling from reading a book alone. And I think I can say that this is my favorite piece of gay media I've ever encountered. I I think I'm willing to make that statement. It just, it really shows a gay relationship in a way that feels realistically tough, but has a happy ending, and just really hits my chords, plays me like a fiddle, (laughs) and resonates with me, and and I cry. And it gives me hope. It gives me hope that I'll be able to find a love as special as the one Alex and Henry have. You will, Andrew. You will. <laughs> thank you. I was waiting. It's
1: <laughs> <If> even better.
0: <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for coming, Aaron. We loved having you. Thank
1: you for having me. It was a lot of fun.
0: Anything else you want to promote
2: besides the book, or just the book?
0: Um. Yeah. So you can pre-order.
1: This is why they hate us anywhere that sells books. It comes out August twenty-third. You can.
0: Woohoo! <laughs> I'm so excited for that. I'm definitely going to pre-order. Oh,
1: thank you. <laughs> yeah. Pre-orders do, um, especially for debut authors. It just you know shows my publisher that people care about the
0: book debut author it's gonna be his first book oh that's so exciting first and not your last
1: hopefully not my last you can follow me on social media i'm on tiktok aaron H hsevis
0: and yeah I guess, I guess that's it all right well thank you so much for being on our show aaron we really appreciated it uh we end every episode by chanting yay shall you join us Yay! gay 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 gay, 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 gay. 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 <laughs> <laughs>